Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, how are you? My name's Shabana Hearn. And I'm Perry Groves. And this is Hawksby and Jacob's Daily Podcast with a twist, the Ahern and Groves Daily Podcast with the best bits of the one till four show. Perry, we had um, a little bit of a chat about Tuesday night's football, didn't we? Yeah, um, has anybody seen Mutt Goldbridge? Because uh, Erling Haaland is officially on fire, scoring five goals, five different ways. I've got a feeling Erling Haaland might be good. We were also joined in the studio by film director Rachel Ramsey. She's directed a new film coming out called Copper 71. And what an inspiring story it is. Yeah, you'll find more about that. And it is absolutely amazing, going back to 1971. And we also asked the kids on the way home from school for their voice of reason, to send in your voice notes and call us with your views on your club. And you did not disappoint. Very cute. Here you go. Good afternoon to you. It's lovely to be here. And good afternoon, Perry. How have you been? I'm, I'm tickety-boo. Yourself? I hate to sound a little bit weird. Go on don't then. call HR right away. But you look great. You look healthy. You I look think well. it's you know what it is. Always dressing black. Is that the thing? Makes you look a little bit slimmer, doesn't it? Well, what it is, yeah. And the ginger thing. redhead. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's just the sun. A little bit of sun. And I burn like top of a swamp uh, mm. vest of matchstick. You know what I mean? So. Oh. Bless you. Factor 50. <laughs> it's a ginger way. thing, exactly. <laughs> uh, good to see you. How have you been? What have you been up to? All right, yeah. I, had, um, I was at the theatre last night, don't you know? Yes, a bit of a lovey. What yes. is this about, darling, thespian Harold? Alas, poor Yorick. I knew him well. <laughs> no, no. Um, it was a, a legend's evening. Not me, the legend, but um, at Corby Theatre. So it's with Ray Parler and Paul Merson, Arsenal legends. So right. I'm the compere. So oh, basically, good. if you can imagine Bross... Mm-hmm. They're Matt and Luke Goss. Yep. I'm Craig Logan, the one who just plays the guitar at the back and everybody goes, who's that? The talented say, one, yeah, really. Well, I, don't, I don't know. No, not talented. Just like, <laughs> I don't know who that is. Who's that? Yeah, so, um, yeah, we're at Chatham tonight as well. So, um, yeah, Ray and Merce tell all their stories. Is that utter chaos? I would imagine with both of them, it's just... Those stories are unbelievable. We make sure... We was thinking about getting people to put their phones in a big box before they came into the theatre. We trust them, so look, please... Don't, don't record anything. Mm. Please don't record anything because then you'll get it no holes barred, which is, you know, stuff that you'll hear not on radio mm. or in the papers. It's funny because um, I did a tour with Alan and Ray for TalkSport a couple of summers ago. Right, OK. And um, Ray was very hot on making sure that at the, the start of the proceedings, you make sure you say don't be filming anything yeah. there because this is now how they can still make a living by sharing these stories know, and if yeah. they go on YouTube then it's all spoiled and it's a bit of a giveaway because obviously in the first half we did 45 minutes first half 45 minutes second half hmm. so we turn the, the lights down and the lads on stage with the spotlights 
and just to tell people it's a bit because your your light your white light shines on your phone if you've got that's, it. That's true. Yeah, so see. I just I just try and give them the thousand yard stare. It's like, wait, can you mind? <laughs> or it's eviction. Outside, not yeah, out. It's done exactly. <laughs> it's all right in a second half because the lights are up, so we can see everybody. Yeah. We can see all the faces. How's Paul Merson keeping? He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah really good. Merson's in really really good form. Yeah, um, his little boy Freddie's at Chelsea Academy, obviously, mm. and he's like, he's. I said. Are you sure you not have DNA? Because he's he's unbelievable. I've seen. I'd had a kickabout with Freddie at a charity game, and he's unbelievably left-footed. Oh really? Yeah. And Merce was toe punt or outside his right foot. He never ever used his left foot ever for anything. So it's just weird the way it's right. Yeah. Isn't it funny how how kids just get that? Like my daughter, she's four and a half. She's got this left foot wand, Perry. When she pings the ball, it's so clean and so crisp and so so full of power. She's only little. She's only four and a half. I'm like, where's that come from? It, Where have you decided now you're left-footed when you're right-handed? It, it always looks, any sporting uh, man or sporting woman always looks more graceful, left-handed hand, left, hand, uh, left handed mm. or left-footed, apart from golf. I think golf, they look a bit cack-handed. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, but cricket, tennis, anything. So let, they also always got a wand of a left foot. Mm. No one says he's got a wand of a right foot, do this they? That's true. Ever. This is true, leaving out the right-footed. Um, a few interesting <coughs> things happening over the last 24 hours. In fact, one of the comments that came out from Rio Ferdinand um, about Mikel Arteta um, would absolutely take a, a United job, Manchester United job, if it came up. Um, you're not happy about that? Well, I'm not happy, but it just makes me laugh that ex-Man United players, like the delusional arrogance of thinking, well, it's Man United, so everybody's going to... Everybody knows Man United are... One of the biggest, if not the biggest, club in the world. It's a fan base, sports rating. I get that. Hmm. But Mikel Arteta, he at Arsenal now, he's three seasons, three and a half seasons down the development of this Arsenal uh, team where he's got rid of the toxic culture, all the big time Charlies are gone. He's in control of who comes in and who goes out as players because um, he had the standoff of Aubameyang and he said, if you don't get rid of him, I'm going. Mm -hmm. So Edu, they're all aligned, but he, not one player comes in. Manchester United at the market, they're still, a, I know Jim Ratcliffe's taken over, but they're a basket case of a club. Arteta's not going to look at a club and think, you know what? Because he now wants to go and win things. Right? He's, you know, he's had his development mm -hmm. himself as a manager and a team. He's not going to think, oh, Man United are two seasons, maybe three seasons away from even challenging to win the Premier League. And that's at best. And so Jim Ratcliffe actually said, you're going to have Dave Brailsford, obviously, on the sporting side, sporting director. Obviously, Dan Ashworth is on. And Jim, Jim Ratcliffe actually said that they're going to choose the way that the philosophy and the team that plays. So I can understand it. So it runs through from like Brighton, from manager to manager to manager. McLeod is not going to be told, you know, this is philosophy, this is how we play. He's a control freak. Mm. So I, I just think at the minute that that was completely a no-no. And it's Arteta has a spiritual connection to Arsenal because he played there, he was captain, won the FA Cup, got that, and he knew the club. But... He's he's not now thinking I'm going to go and develop another team. He's done that. Bigger club though. <laughs> Bigger club though. In your, I, I think I was I, Manchester United globally. Yeah. Absolutely, I, absolutely. And obviously, Premier League titles they've won. Obviously, one chance. But Arsenal are a massive club. Of course. And where he is now, say so he's in con total control of everything that goes on on the pitch. Mm -hmm. And at Man United at the moment, there's so much that's got to be sorted out. He's, I don't think he will even consider it. I was listening to you on the Sunday session with Sam Matterface recently and talking about like the progress that there has been over the last couple of seasons and how different they are now 
to this time last season where it ever so started to slip away. But do you think Arsenal are still in contention no, to I think win, win the title? No, I said begin the season. You I still think Arsenal are going to win the league? Because of Declan Rice signing, I thought it'd be the uh, kick-on, like the physica- physicality side, the experience I had last year. I know people said they bottled it. It was because Saliba got in. That, when Rob Hull, it was huge. And there was a lack of experience. The mid-season break has come unbelievable because Arsenal, we were looking a bit leggy against Fulham, against West Ham. They've come back revitalised. And I'm not going to I'm not going to waver. They've they've come back. I've seen them rinse Liverpool, and Liverpool were in brilliant form at the time. And mm. it could have been five or six. So all these challenges that they keep coming up, they keep coming over. These so. statement wins in the Premier League are are quite something. You know, when you look at whereabouts they are on the table, it's like they've got that hunger now. They're banging in goals for fun. Um, but if they can maintain it, but then you were saying in January, you know, we need a striker, we need a striker. And I was putting in goals. No, for everybody knows that. Ideally, you'd lead a number nine, number nine. because mm-hmm. obviously the chances would be great. Then all of a sudden, then Kai Havertz comes into a bit of form. So he yeah. plays a false nine. Trossard plays a false nine. Then out, off, out of position, we go 4-4-2, mm. where we close down. Havertz goes, then Odegaard pluck goes, then they get more people in the box. Because Saka's got his legs back. So, I mean, there's big, big, huge games still to come. You know, Because yeah. every game for Arsenal is, is the biggest game of the season. Sheffield United next Monday is the biggest game of the season because... We can't afford a draw. Yeah, we've got to keep winning and winning, and hopefully you're in still within strike distance. Play Man City away, Liverpool play Man City, so um, it's going to be a free horse race all the way through to the end. It could go even conceding against Newcastle. Yeah, right. This title could go down to goal difference. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And you, and you just look back and you think, oh, could you beat? Should have beat Newcastle four 0 You you beat them four one. So this is going to go right, I think it's going to go to the last weekend. It's been a brilliant title race so far, hasn't it? And it's so interesting now that you've got three teams really in contention to do it. Um, and it is, and I, I just can't see past Liverpool at the minute. Okay, some injuries, but I think they'll come back. I just see it being Liverpool's time. But that's with no discredit to Arsenal and the well, job no, that it's, has done. I, I can see everybody, you can make a case mm. for everybody. Isn't Man City are just, yeah, again, starting to hunting. get on the mm. roll and hunting as well. But I think with Man City... They're still get at a ball where they, I don't think they were last year when they're in that role. Yeah. You don't, if you look at even the Bournemouth game, Bournemouth had three or four big chances. Yeah. Luton had, though obviously it's 6 2 and they made them angry because they got back to 3 2 mm-hmm. and they went another gear. But even Luton were creating loads of chances. Yeah. Yeah. So um, for the neutral, it's this good. would be the most exciting title race for a good, because Man City have been so dominant. Uh, with Liverpool so to have three in it it's, it's brilliant you're dead right 81089 by the way is the number if you want to send us a text or at TalkSport on social media hi to Mark in Sunderland he said hope you didn't fall off the stage again Perry it's from Mark and Sabre Mark <laughs> what happened we was at the Sunderland Empire and um, the <laughs> spotlight's got in my eyes so oh. I'm just introducing like the Sunderland legends I walked to the edge of the stage and there was no edge of the stage oh, so no. I've gone no I've gone yet yeah, it's a nine ten foot drop so I've gone, the whole, there's, I think it holds about 1,500, 1,600. It just went <gasps> like that. Oh, geez. And I thought that it will be like t- two foot. And in my head, I thought I was dropping like, in a parachute <laughs> for about 10 seconds. So I just went, 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 went. So then I managed, I managed to do like a parachute. You know when you're down a parachute, you bend your knees and you roll. Good on, yeah. And it's still silent. And I thought, I've broke my ankles. I've broke my knees. Have I done it right now? And I got up. And because I know that they were, the whole crowd went or wetting themselves. Oh, but I couldn't get back on the stage. 
because it's in it was in the orchestra pit, so I couldn't get back on. So yeah, then Peter the Reed, no, they pulled again. me up. Oh. Peter Reed actually pulled me up by my arms back oh, on the stage. Oh my word! Yeah, let's talk so, about an entrance party. That was um, yeah, that was memorable. That's too many reasons. Oh my god, that's I would have just straight up just lay there, played dead, and just left. I think the theatre might have been a bit panicky of oh, like where there's blame, there's blame. Well, I just went, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> went back this year. And they've got all tape yeah. on them. I've got a rope and tape right on the, where the stage ends. Oh, God, because I've been that. there. You know when you do something just really... Well, you just do not see it coming and you hit the floor. I was um slightly different situation in a pub one day and uh, having a real giggle about something. I'm only a couple of wines in. And I, I'm heading to the toilet and I opened the door at full force, but I didn't know there was a step down into the toilet. Oh, it's like... I thought I was falling for two minutes. It was a tiny step, but I hit the floor. Everyone laughed at me. I was like, oh, jeez. So you was, it was Del Boy. It was. It was a Del Boy at the end was, of the bar, was it? wasn't the, the best look. We've all been there. Listen, you have to just laugh it off. No point in being readied for the rest of your life. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Five goal Manchester City striker Erling Haaland has warned their rivals they are coming as they breezed past Luton in the FA Cup last night. And staying with that, Talk Sports' Mark Goldbridge joined Gabby Agbon Lahore and Alan Brazil on Breakfast last week and sparked controversy with this opinion. Erling Haaland is a is a finisher. He's a brilliant, brilliant striker. But he he would not see, suit that Liverpool system. Man, where you've what got about to goals? Work what about goals? How many goals has Haaland got compared to the? He's, he's only scored against every Premier League team that he's played against. Now, thirty five appearances last season, thirty six goals. It's phenomenal. Fifty two and fifty three in all competitions. Won the treble mm. this season. Been injured. Seventeen goals in twenty appearances. Come on, Mark. Mark Goldbridge, slightly controversial opinion, but Perry actually was working on the show that morning and a lot of the listeners had a lot to agree with what Mark said. But what's your opinion on it? I, I'm glad I've heard it with my own ears because hmm. I, um, I I thought people might have misconstrued it or misquoted it or whatever. Um, I can't say he's further from the truth about Erling Haaland playing for any, any other club side in the world. He gets in. Maybe... Bayern Munich is the only one, only because of Harry Kane obviously playing up front for Bayern Munich through the centre and doing brilliantly well, two different sorts of players. Mm. And he suits Liverpool to a... T- Liverpool closed down. Man City closed down. Erling Haaland's one who starts off the press. That's how Liverpool play. And if you think about Darwin Nunes, who I'm a big fan of, I think Erling Haaland's probably a season and a half to two seasons further ahead of his development than what Darwin Nunes is. Darwin Nunes is... Nunes gets loads of chances. He's a bit erratic when he's got time to think, but when he hasn't, he's, you know, instinctive finisher. So, yeah, I, I can't... That's, it, I think that's ridiculous. I think he gets in any team. Do you not think, though, with the way Jurgen Klopp sets up that team, the build-up of play towards the goals, the amount of chances that, say, that Nunes has had, there is a reason why things work and why things don't work. And if you were just to pluck out Erling Haaland and put him in in the place of Nunez, are you not just assuming that you think it's yeah, going to come? Yeah, do that, then. Mm. Yeah, Man City just go. They had they played with false nine. They played you know through the lines. Played uh, easy on the eye football. Some people say it's and there's people when Erling Haaland went to Man City, actually said and some pundits said he's not going to score goals for Man City. And, and you look at it and you think, forget about systems and styles play. Just look at the amount of chances that those top teams create. Mm. And you're not telling me that Erling Haaland couldn't adapt. We're going to talk about the Luton game later on about his obviously his five goals. Mm. And one of the um, accidents against me, he couldn't hold the ball up. He doesn't hold the ball up. Well, I was at the Etihad last season when Man City actually rinsed us 4-1, which stopped us obviously winning the title. 
And all Man City did was, right, well, you want to press us because Arteta wanted to impose himself. They went, no, we missed that out. They pinged it into Erling Haaland. He held the ball up. Kevin De Bruyne joined in and then just kept putting him on goal. Mm. So Erling Haaland can develop to any system. You, and what you do is you don't you, you develop to him as well. But he would... It's not as if he's not mobile. Yeah. You know, he's like... Because he's like Viking six foot five. It's not that he can't... He's unbelievably quick. He's unbelievably strong. He's quick off the mark as well, not just a strong runner. And um, he closes. He's not lazy. You don't have lazy players yeah. when you play for Man City. Well, and that's the exact same thing at Liverpool. And he wasn't lazy last night, was he? Absolutely running the show at Kenilworth Road. Uh, in the FA Cup fifth round, it ended up looting to Manchester City six. Haaland, five goals. Four of those goals assisted by Kevin De Bruyne. Quite the partnership. Stunning stuff. Yeah, I, I, we meant to say about Erling Haaland, obviously Kevin De Bruyne, one of the greatest Premier League players that we've ever seen because they've got a telepathic you know, um, uh, communication. You know what I mean? They yeah. just know what's going to happen. De Bruyne, um, Haaland knows he makes a run, De Bruyne will find him. If you look at Haaland's goals last night, the first one, he checks at the far post where he goes, comes out and then finishes. Yep. The second one, poor old Mengi, I think... Um, Mengi's probably in an ice bath as we speak or some like retreat somewhere because <laughs> he, he couldn't... <laughs> he, in a dark room. He, exactly, he got no help, right? Because yeah. you want to put someone in front of him. Second one, he holds off me. He lays the ball. Again, you know that hold-up play. Mm. He lays the ball off of his studs and then De Bruyne puts him in. Third one's a little brilliant dink when he's 1v1 with Tim Crew. He just like dinks it over him. The um, Fourth one is between the goalposts, yep. six-yard box. And if you want a bit luckier because he goes through Tim Crew. But they're, they're five... Different goals. Yeah. It shows you. And Luton actually made them angry because they got back into it. Free. I felt sorry for Jordan Clark, actually, because Jordan Clark scored two weldies yeah. for Luton. And they're thinking, right, we're back in this. Mm-hmm. And then Man City just went up another gear. They they really did. And talking about the, the telepathy between KDB and Erling Haaland, it's just there. And even when Kevin returned from his injury, and it was instant impact, the instant partnership that they have. It's nothing that goes quiet over time or needs working on or built back up again. It's just there. You know, they are that promising together. Uh, Jack Grealish, we knew there was a bit of... Well, it was in the news yesterday going into this game. Pep Guardiola had said it's time for him to step up and really get back into this season. We need him to be part of that because it has been a little bit of an off-season for, for Jack Grealish. He went off injured last night, visibly upset. Um, what do you think this means for him moving forward? But I, th- I think um, we think it's his groin injury, don't yeah. we? And, and Pep Guardiola said it looks fairly serious. Now, you don't know a groin could be three weeks, could be four weeks, could be two months. And obviously Jack Grealish is sitting there, obviously, wait to have his scans and then get diagnosis. Because straight away he'd have been thinking, not necessarily about obviously getting back to Man City side, he's obviously thinking about the Euros, Euros in the summer, exactly. And and already it, that was looking a little bit effy. Oh, no, I think he would, if he would get game time under his belt, I think he'd have still been in the squad. But when you see him play on that left-hand side where he had a really good season last mm-hmm. year, adapted, because he's right-footed, he's one of those inverted, he keeps coming inside all the time. He's got to just add more to his game where, you know, go on the outside yeah. just to put it down in the 4 mine or play little 1-2s. Because what he does is he buys brilliant fouls. But when you're playing Man City, they want to move the ball a bit quicker. Yeah. So it's thinking about him adapting. Mm, let's talk about Luton just very quickly because they're now in the bottom three because of Everton's point deduction being added back on them getting them the extra four points. What do you think about Luton's season and, and do you think they can survive the Prem? Um I thought that they, because of obviously, we knew that Everton would get their points back. But um, I actually think they should be applauded, Luton, because yeah. I've been lucky enough to be there mm-hmm. three or four times. They are giving everything they 
have to try and survive in the Premier League. Everything, the whole club is all together, it's all synchronised, you know, from Rob Edwards, the manager, to the players, to the owners, to the board, whatever. And he's getting everything out of those great players. Now, some of those players are probably not good enough to play in the Premier League, but they're not going to die uh, wondering. Mm-hmm. No, and I've just looked at their fixtures. I think the next four fixtures will determine their season. They've got uh, Villa at home, Palace away, Bournemouth away, Forest at home. Yeah. So you've got to be looking to be getting nine to ten points out of those games to give you a really realistic chance of staying in. Ross Barkley has been sensational for Luton since coming to the club. Kevin Harper from the board member of Luton Town Supporters Trust says that Ross Barkley is the best player he's ever seen for the club. Oh my word! I mean, what a what a player, Ali. I mean, coming through the leagues like we've done over the last ten years, if, if you'd said to me at any point we would be watching Ross Barkley or a player of that ilk in a Luton chair, I'd have just laughed at you. To be quite honest, yeah. even even when he signed, I didn't realise how good he is. He's absolutely magnificent. Fair play to him. He's brought right into everything that we do. He's come here. He hasn't shirked the fact that we're in a relegation battle. But the standards that he's driven on and off the pitch, the way that he's changed our game, the way that we can now take the ball in tight situations and play through the lines and get forward and everything. We suddenly look like a Premier League team, Ali. I think that's the best thing I can yeah. say about yeah. him. And in terms of skill, he's sort of similar, I would guess, to, or, or talent, should I say, someone that you played alongside, Paul Gascoigne. He reminds me of that, his comfort on the ball and his skill levels are just of a different class to anything I've seen in a loot mm. chair. Ross Barkley, does he get into Gareth Southgate's Euro squad? Yes, for me he does. Um, I, I take it that um, Mick Harford was anywhere in the room about, you know, Luton's greatest ever player. <laughs> Ricky Hill weren't bad. I played against Ricky Hill. He was superb as well back in like the 80s. Ross Barkley playing in the deeper position because everybody you know knows him as a 10 really. He's been a genius uh, masterstroke from Rob Edwards. And it's absolutely right. He does get back and do his defensive job and he does get himself on the half turn and he can spray passes and he can run with the ball and I've seen him play against Arsenal seen him play against Man City seen him play against Spurs seen him play against Newcastle and he was Luton's best player and arguably one of the best players on the pitch and that's playing for a team that has limited possession and he has to do more of his defensive stuff and I think he's better because he's got more sounds pretty basic but he's got more of the pitch in front of him mm-hmm. you know and he can, he's got more options and um, yeah I, I think he's been outstanding if if you're looking obviously Calvin Phillips ain't, um, he ain't yeah. playing he's suspended mm-hmm. don't look great Jordan Henderson same playing if you're talking about Kobe Mainu which people are yeah. then you have to be talking about Ross Barkley to play in that holding midfield role. And he brings that experience too. Okay, maybe not fully international level over the last while, but he's got that other experience. He's 30 years young also. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We're joined in the studio now by a very special guest to talk about Coppa 71, a docu-film that tells the story of a women's football tournament that's been wiped from sporting history. These women were challenging so many norms. They're warriors. Perception of women's soccer has changed dramatically. There's no stopping us now. It's up to us to make sure that history is right. Out on the 8th of March, it's called Copper 71, and the film's co-director, Rachel Ramsey, is with us in the studio. Hello, Rachel. Hi, lovely to be here. Lovely to have you with us. Uh, Perry and I have had a good look through this trailer and uh, read up on the whole situation. Um, it's quite incredible that this film has been made, and so many of us didn't know really that this story ever existed. Can you explain the story to us? Yeah, it's the story of a, a football tournament that proved over 50 years ago that women's football was commercial, that it was they were incredibly talented, that they were brilliant athletes, and that people wanted to come and watch it, and that women across the world wanted to turn out to go and play. Um, you know, we uncovered this, this subculture of women playing across the world in the 60s that um, has been going on, you know, for women playing 100, 100 years. Uh, most people know now about the FA ban that mm -hmm. came in in 1921 that lasted until 1971 when women were not allowed to play on FA affiliated pitches, which had repercussions around the world for the development of women's football. But then in, in, in the 60s, you know, there was a, there's some irrepressible women around the world who are playing regardless and kicking back. And this exploded into this tournament in 1971 in Mexico City, which used the infrastructure of the men's 1970 um, competition to create um, what still today has the highest number of uh, the highest attended crowd for any women's sporting event ever. Around over 110,000 people at least packed out the Azteca Stadium to wow. watch that final. Do you know what I thought? Sorry, it was amazing watching the footage because my first memory of watching football. Um, uh, was the Mexico World Cup for the men in 1970. We have the grainy images and it's sort of yep. crowd. It's very, very exotic. You look at all the footage of this um, film, it's exactly the same. It's, it's just, all it is is women playing football yep. because the crowd exactly the same, the pitch is the same. If you look at the technique, it's very, very good. And you mentioned there about football, basically women being banned from playing football because the FA, for the England, they wouldn't sanction it, would they? They said, no, it's not official. Um, and I just looked at the manager, um, Harry Batt, who is, he was a bus conductor, wasn't he? He was incredible. Um, Harry, Harry how did he a, find the players? Well, he was this great maverick, again, kicking right back against the system, kicking back against the establishment, who, for whatever reason, and we don't need to go into all of those details, we sort of know the misogyny that's inherent in that part of the sport. But, um, yeah, Harry had set up a, um, a team for girls, young women, playing with his wife, um, with his wife, June, playing in Luton. And then when the invitation came in from the Mexican um, organisers, again, not the Mexican Football Federation, because they had been stopped from hosting any, any tournament like this by FIFA. So it was an independent group of Mexican businessmen who were entrepreneurial enough to see that they could make some money out of this, that this could be commercial and it should be a venture that they pursued so long as they treated it seriously. So they invited six teams that qualified from around the world to go and play. So we had Denmark, Italy, France, Argentina, Mexico and England. 
And they all sent teams over. And Harry decided, right, we're going to put together the best team we can. He drove around the country. He found these young women and he took them all over to Mexico. And they had the most incredible carnival of sport for one of them. There was merchandise. There was a mascot. Gone. You're going to pronounce it. I've looked at it. I'm not, not going there. <laughs> She's called Shotil, the, ma- the oh, mascot. I'm glad you said yeah. it first. Okay. And it, was, it was a little girl with a ponytail, wasn't little it? Little girl yeah. with, with bunches and, yeah. and football. And actually, the yeah, the the name itself um, is representative representative of an old Aztec warrior who led um, led women into battle. Oh. So there's something incredibly you know, the the symbolism of this whole tournament. And again, the fact that all of it was caught on film because they broadcast it live. And then that film was buried for 50 years. We've just uncovered it. With the first, this is the first time it'll be seen in over 50 years. By the way, you should t- check out the trailer now for Copa 71. Jump on YouTube and have a search because your mind will be blown. For, for so many people, they look and go, no one watched it, no one cares, you know, all that kind of stuff. You had 100,000 fans supporting the Women's World Cup or Copa 71 back then. And they all bought tickets. We've, they bought t- the ticket stubs at the same price as the men's ticket stubs the year before. Rachel, I'm always here burning my bra right about women's <laughs> Oh, everyone's like, shut up. But this is so frustrating because now, for so long, women's football has been playing catch up, but it was there, it was a thing, it was loved, it was respected, and it was taken away from them. And now we're hearing from the original lionesses who were at COPA 71, who are now being honoured here by the FA and, you know, showing that respect they're given. And my sister plays for the Republic of Ireland, and they're bringing in the original Irish players. We're now seeing them getting that respect they deserve because they never got it once back then, yet they had crowds and turnout like, you've ne- you, yeah, like you would never believe. They were absolute pioneers, and they were brilliant athletes in their own right. And, but they were told, you know, it was, it was representative of so many things within society then and also, and also now. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea of having, you know, the, the right to self-expression. These, these girls and young women wanted to express themselves on the pitch and they were being told they were wrong for doing that. And they were really shamed into that. Yeah. Which is why I think, you know, why we really want to share this film with the world and people to go and see it is that it has, it's, fi- you know, they're finally getting their voice back after so long and realising that this wasn't something to be ashamed of, but something to be very proud of. Was it the, co- the company Televisia? They owned Aztec Stadium as well. Yeah, so that's so that why was the, they could be totally lead, independent. That was the leading mm-hmm. media Brilliant. company. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and you know, and the, it was—it really was the football establishment that was kicking back, not the general media. Mm. And you know, the the newspaper coverage at the time was extraordinary. That's how we started to find research the story. I was going to say, how did like in these days, you know, like I'm just thinking, research. It's got to be newspaper, like newspapers. It was the, was it, it was programs? original newspapers yeah. that were either. Clippings that the team, so we tracked down all of the women that played in the original tournament and went to visit them, their home countries all over the world, and they had collected up quite a lot of memorabilia from the time that had been hidden in their attics for decades. So that was how we started. And then you go to Mexico City itself, get into the libraries and into the vaults, um, work with incredible teams of archivists from around the world and try and dig out every little bit of evidence you can and then start to piece it together and actually work. You know, my brilliant researcher, um, Ella, she was she was translating these newspapers and writing original match reports, you know, in, in the voice of, <laughs> of um, newspaper journalists from the time so that we could then piece them together on screen. So um, Trudy McCaffrey, well, obviously mm-hmm. one of the players, yeah. they said they were treated like gods when they were, when were there with the crowds and going to different events and they got asked to stay on, didn't they, after they got knocked out, didn't get through the group stages. So they was going to all these like parties and going to government parties and whatever. But she said then when they come back, mm. nothing. Nothing here. Nothing. Yeah. Absolutely zilch. Yeah, they were treated like absolute rock stars when they got there. You know, they, their buses were mobbed and this is all in the film, you can see it. This isn't something we're making up here and, and all that, you know, the, the memories of the women themselves are brilliant but it's it's there on, on film, on camera. And um, 
and yeah, when, and that was the same for all of the teams as well. And there's some great characters from from all of the teams around the world. You know, these are they're really badass ladies. Like, they're amazing. <laughs> and they um, and when they came, but when they came back, it's almost a, the success of the tournament could just couldn't be. They they couldn't constitute that, mm. and it was there was it's some form of punishing the women themselves for even taking part. And Harry Bat himself was banned from um, uh, banned for life from coaching women's um, women's football by the FA afterwards. Wow! I mean, these stories are are simply mind, incredible. You just wouldn't believe they're it. They're mind blowing. Okay, yeah, they go really. How? Got, How? Yeah, that that seems. I know it's obviously like 1971, but that seems like it's. 1771, doesn't it? Right. Those sort yeah, of this is, all, this is in living memory. This is only, yeah. only 50, like 50 odd years ago. And you were saying even Brazil had women's football banned until, until eight? the 80, mid 80s. I mean, that's not just not a, banned, it was illegal. illegal. It was a criminal offence for women to play football in Brazil until the mid 80s. Oh, that just makes me you know, really it makes me my think, mind. Yeah, back when I when I was playing, we spoke off air, didn't we? And I was playing for Kunar Dynamo's under 10s when I was six. And uh, the two best players were Dawn Lawrence and myself. And Dawn was unbelievable, left winger, like beat players going on. And everybody knew in the local area I played in Southern Essex League that she was one of the best players in the league squads. And all of a sudden, gets to 12, that's it. You're finished because you can't get changed in the same changing rooms. And we actually had the local TV station come down and actually do a piece for the news if to say, something's, back then, something's got to happen here because this poor girl mm-hmm. can't play, can't even play in schools, can't even play in... Um, girls football there was nothing and I just think of all that sort of wasted talent you know of young young girls and young ladies there that just had no avenue nothing whatsoever yeah and that's a story that I've heard repeated so many times and around the world as well and I think um, we're hoping that this is a chance when people can start to realize that the sport has much deeper roots than a lot of the media and a lot of the football establishments would like to claim right now you know the idea that it sort of started in the early 90s and then it's really got big in the last couple of years it's like no it's been around for a long time it's just been very systematically repressed yeah. and there's a brilliant story about the sem- what the one of the semi-finals that's that is brilliant. you normally think oh it's a nice like i know it's the world cup but it's nice and friendly it's a great story in it's semi-final oh my God. yeah we're gonna yeah try and say no spoilers go right, encourage okay. people to go and watch in the cinema but right. there are i mean there is the, the passion i think Something you cannot deny from seeing this footage of this tournament is oh, how passion how intense the passion is. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. and how and the you know the rage against the system, which then comes out in mm. some ways on the pitch. Again, you know, we just I think if we you know people wanting to really support women's football now, it's a, it's about sort of saying okay, where do the resources go? Where does our time go? Where does our energy mm-hmm. go? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to see this. Listen, like I say, the trailer is enough for me to go. <laughs> get it out now but when is it out and how can we watch it okay so it's out in cinemas across the country um which is brilliant for a documentary and you know we have we've, we've made it to be watched in the cinema like go with your friends go with your team um, i can already picture the youngsters getting dressed well, up but well we've we... said no if you go to it i think there's various cinemas it's um if it's it's copper 71 dot film gives right. you all the info about it and where you can watch it but really i think we're in we're in over like 60 70 screens around the country from march 8th onwards Perfect. and uh if you go in your strip and in your kit 
Um, then I think there's free popcorn on the weekend. Oh, <laughs> petty! We're not winning chicken. If I go in, if I if go anyone, in, my anyone, ticket. anyone who goes in, they're stripping their kit to go and watch the film, buys a ticket, you get free popcorn. And that's a picture house cinemas, and then there's other offers, lots of other cinemas as well. So there's lots of prizes to be won if you do selfies with your with your kit and with your um with your oh. team. Then yeah, head well, down. We're going petty. It's a date, Rachel. Thank you so much for yeah. talking yeah. us through Thanks, this. Eighth of March at Copper Seven to One. Rachel, thank you very much, and well done on this. The Hawks. And Jacob's daily podcast. We've been talking about the voice of reason. This is you. If you're on the school run now with the kids, we want to hear from your wee one and get their thoughts on their team. Ivo, the Liverpool fan, has uh, been in touch with us uh, to give his thoughts on it, and uh, we're going to hear from them very, very soon. Oh three seven one seven double two double three double four. You can leave us a voice note, or you can give us a call. Hi, Ivo. How are you? Hi. Hi. Hello, Ivo. Hello. How old are you? I'm very good. Good. Thank what, you. What age are you, Ivo, and what school do you go to? Um, I am nine, and I go to St Joseph's. Who's, who's your favourite player, Ivo? Uh, probably Irish Salah or Van Dyke. What do you think about Mo Salah maybe leaving Liverpool? Well, like I know, like there is rumours, but like everybody's probably going to be like very sad. But like, well. I'm really sad, but like I think we could get a replacement, maybe. I'm sure you could. Can you win the league, Ivo? Uh, yeah, we do have a strong chance. Sorry, uh, four points clear of Man City and five points clear of Arsenal. If I'm correct. Oh. <laughs> Ivo, what what position do you play? Do you play football? Uh, yeah. Um, I play right. I I used to play right mid, but now I play left back. And once in October, sometime, like, I scored two goals. Uh, the first goal was, like, I just slotted into the bottom corner. The second one, I just chipped it over the goalkeeper. Oh, good for you, Ivo. It's a cool finish. So you, you're more of a wing-back then, Ivo, than a left-back. So you like marauding up and down that left touchline. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the passer, like, I can hit those long balls over the top. I love that confidence. Keep that going, Ivo. Thank you so much for setting Cheer the bar. Good uh, luck. And being our voice of reason today. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. The kids on the way home from school, we've been asking you to send in your voice notes and be our VOR, never mind VAR, the voice of reason on the school run this afternoon. And you haven't disappointed. Here you go. Hello, my name's Clark and I'm from Norwich. I support Arsenal and I want Arsenal to win the league. Hi, I'm Dixon. I'm a season ticket holder at Old Trafford. My favourite player is Martinez. And if Sir Jim's listening, please don't knock down Old Trafford. My name is Taylor Russell. I'm 13 and I support Liverpool. Hello, I'm Ronnie Rose and I'm 9. Hello, I'm Robbie and I'm 13. And we are Leicester fans. Straight back up, straight, straight back up, Leicester City. I'm Winter, I'm five years old. Daddy talks talk sport every, every day. Let's get in to Arsenal every day. Save the ball, Yenzo, when... Oh, when...
Well done, kids. That Stealing the show. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much for being our voice of reason this afternoon. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There you go then, Perry. You're back with Charlie Baker tomorrow, aren't you? Si, senorita. Uh, we will see you then. And I'm back on early breakfast tomorrow from 5am. And then back with H&G on Friday, this time with Jermaine Pennant. So if you can't catch the show from one o'clock, then of course, the podcast will be available from four. Enjoy. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4pm on TalkSport. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips Tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.